Brandon Brands. Hey everybody, I am Jen Herman with Jen's Trends. And if you want to build a brand that matters, you should be listening to Brands on Brands on Brands with my good friend, Brandon Berkmeyer. In a world where advertising is ignored, business is exposed, and the only constant is change. How do you build a brand that matters? Welcome to Brands on Brands on Brands, a home for those who think different and push their boundaries. This is where branding that matters lives. Now, here's your host, Brandon Berkmeyer. Hey everyone, on today's show, we have Jen Herman of Jen's Trends. Jen is a author, a speaker, a blogger, and basically an expert on the subject of Instagram. So all you businesses out there that need to know Instagram, today's the day to listen. She definitely takes me through some of the things that she does that you should be thinking about from the basics, like the first things you should be starting with, you should be not forgetting that will help you move your business forward to some of the common mistakes to some of the best practices. So check it out. I got a lot of value out of it. I hope you will too. Give it a listen. Thanks. All right, let's jump into it. Thanks so much to our friend, Jen Herman, who joins us today. First off, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Thank you. I'm excited. And I will, I'm just going to be honest, full disclosure, everyone. We did 20 minutes of this episode and I wasn't recording. So we had to start over. (laughs) That's just me being transparent with you. So I'm calling myself out on this. But Jen is a doll and is going to let me jump back into it. So Jen Herman, everyone, Jen of Jen's Trends, Instagram expert, uh, blogger extraordinaire who's been writing about Instagram for a very long time and has written a few books on the topic, would like to dive into trend to Jen again about how you got into Instagram marketing and found this as a calling for yourself at the beginning of your career. Like, Give us your origin story on, on you becoming an Instagram expert. Yeah. So for me, it really was like a fluke. I did not jump in one day and say, I'm going to be the Instagram expert. Like this was not a plan. I had started my blog, Jen's Trends in January of 2013. And it was Jen's Trends and social media. So it was all social media in general. It was meant to cover you know, all the major social media platforms, but I was not on Instagram at the time. And all my friends were on there. It was like, you know, the kids were doing it. It was the cool place to be. And I was like, oh, well, I better jump on this whole Instagram bandwagon and figure out if I'm going to be able to write about it on my blog and really talk to real trends in social media. So I started playing with it and I fell in love with the app as an actual platform. I loved Instagram. I loved the community, how interactive everyone was, how engaged people were. And I love photography. So it was a natural fit. So of course, I'm like, how do I do this? How do I use it for marketing? And I jumped into Google and started Googling it. And everything was very superfluous. Like more people, like more posts, put more content up. And I was like, this is ridiculous. Like this is not tactical in any way, shape or form. So I'm like, hey, I've got this little blog going over here. It's got a little bit of traffic. We'll, you know, start blogging about Instagram. And all the old posts are in there. You can still dive into my archives. But I went through very how-to. I tried this. This didn't work. I tried this and this worked. I tried this. And here's how you could use this in your applications. And here's some tactical ways you could take this to another level. And in doing that, I started writing all this content. I was blogging like three times a week back in the day. So I was creating tons of content around this. And I started ranking in all these Google searches because people were looking for it. And I was the only person blogging about it and quickly catapulted myself into 
basically the world's forefront blogger on Instagram marketing as a result. And that's when the podcast interview request started coming in and the speaking invites started. And I fell into this niche of being an Instagram expert because it was just something I loved and I genuinely put the time and effort into it. And I'm so grateful. I never would have imagined my life here. If you'd asked me 10 years ago what I'd be doing today, this was never the plan. <laughs> but it's amazing and I love it and I'm excited to be here. Well, what I, what I like is that I found you online. You know, I think I was searching like who's speaking in social media marketing world and I found a bunch of people and I was reaching out and seeing what each person does and what, they, you know, what they're all about. And you and a few other people that you have a relationship with, like you, have, you do you have a shared content show called 360. 360 Marketing Squad. 360 Marketing Squad with a few other people. You know, I found you guys all individually and then through there. And then I started listening to your stuff. I went to your Instagram live feeds and you were talking about things like some mistakes people make or things that are just the wrong, like things get infiltrated, right? There's things that get infected and messed up. And <laughs> in Instagram, it's like the fake followers was a thing that started happening. The follow, unfollow met started happening. And you were having a conversation about pod people. Oh yes, the pods. And, and can you tell people like, what is what are pods for Instagram and what are <laughs> pod people? So pods, like a pod of whales, a group of people will come together. And the idea is that they will like and comment on each other's posts. So a pod could be five people, 10 people, whatever size. And the idea is that every time somebody in that pod posts a piece of content to Instagram, you have to go and like the post and leave a comment. And then likewise, every time you do a new piece of content, they all will do the same for you. The idea is that it will boost engagement and get you more reach, which is totally not how the algorithm works on Instagram and pods are useless from that perspective. So I did a whole Instagram live just on pods. <laughs> well, I think you saved me on that topic too, because I actually tested. I went and I, there was some $15 and it was like 30 days, $15 and we'll send likes to your post three times a day. And my like shot up. I mean, I'm, I barely started using Instagram. It's like, wasn't a thing for me. My like shot up from like, you know, 30 to, to 1000 to 2000 in like a few days. And for a month I'm getting these like thousands of likes on things, but like, you know, no comments, like nothing that like mattered. And, and I was getting, I got people reaching out to me saying, did someone hack your account? <laughs> like, are you okay? Because they, they knew it was like messed up. And I was like, I was just curious if this mess moves the deal. There was no, I didn't get any extra followers. There was no value to any of this. But what I thought you was interesting that you said is it actually messes up my algorithm. It does. It completely changes your ranking and your valuation of your content. And you said something about like how it's relative to the other posts. Like how now if I, when I stop the relativity of that success to the posts from before, I'm actually getting deranked now. Yes. Maybe you can explain how that works a little bit. The Instagram algorithm is a very complicated thing that, you know, we know a couple things and there's really like probably 3000 things that are going on in the background. But the way the Instagram algorithm works is that it's individually based. So if I always like somebody's content, their content is going to show up higher in my feed. That's normal. It's not a popularity contest. It's based on individual interactions. And so if you are in a pod and those 10 people are always liking your content, you're always going to show up on the top of their feet, but it has no impact on the other hundreds or thousands of followers that you have because it's not a popularity contest. But what ends up happening is you have this higher percentage of likes because you've got this pod or you're paying these other accounts to like your content. And then if they stop engaging with your content because you leave the pod or you stop using those things, 
obviously your like count is going to go down and that's not going to impact where you rank with your existing followers, but it's going to impact you in terms of where you rank for things like the explore page or for search and hashtags and those sorts of things, which means now you're not going to get found by new people anywhere because your content just drastically changed in perspective of, you know, it's likability with non-followers. And as a result, Instagram goes, oh, your content must suck and you will drop down. And there's a lot of other factors that go into it, but that's like a really short explanation. And I wanted to get a little bit of that because it was such a funny conversation that happened uh, at the time, but it gave me some context to that. You do dive really deep on this. You get really into the weeds on this stuff. And that's what I love about you because there are people out there that teach Instagram that have large Instagram followings, you know, 100,000 followers, 200,000 followers that are now the Instagram experts. But when you listen to them and you pay attention, they tell you things that are pretty basic and they don't actually, it doesn't sound like they've dove deep on this. And let's, let's put it out there. You're not a, a million follower person out there, but you're teaching Instagram, right? Is that okay? Yeah. And that's the thing. I mean, I always tell people, I'm like, I started speaking on stages talking about Instagram marketing when I had 3000 followers and I would get called out on it because these people in the audience have way more followers than I do. And I right now have like 18,000. It's not chump change, but it's nothing miraculous. I don't have a hundred thousand followers around the world, but to me, I've never placed a lot of value on that number because I'm looking at conversions. I'm looking at the traffic that comes from that audience. I'm looking at what that audience is actually doing for my brand. And I'm very selective in how I've grown my audience. I go to a conference, people follow me. Great. I do a webinar and people start to follow me or I you know, reach out to people and I'm talking to people and they're you know, getting to know me and then they follow me. Great. This is all organic targeted growth versus just saying, here's a bunch of people that like me. So when I have a new book out, when I have a new training out, when I've got a new blog post out, that audience is going to take action and actually read those blog posts, actually go to the website, actually go look at the trainings that I'm offering, go look at whatever it is that I'm using, whether I'm doing affiliate promotions or whatever it is, they're going to drive real results for me because they actually care about what I have to say and they respect my voice versus having 100,000 followers of people who like everything, but don't ever take action on anything. So I'd rather have 10,000 followers and like a 10% conversion rate versus 100,000 followers and like a half a percent conversion rate. So the follower count has never really mattered to me. Would it be great to say, oh, I've got all these amazing followers? Yeah, but I've seen so many people that are experts in Instagram and other industries that have these huge followings. And they're not getting the conversions. It's useless. Like it's, it's just a vanity metric. Right. When I think it matters that, you know, if, if you're out there teaching this stuff, I think you need to do the research and, and like understand how the tools work versus just having a following. I think a following could be for any number of reasons you could have gotten a follower account. I think there's max potential for certain, like if you're a Justin Bieber celebrity, people just want to know what the hell you're doing. Right. If you're, you know, no offense, if you're an Instagram expert, not a lot of people like care what your day to day looks like. So it's, it's a little different, like the, you know, the level, but you can help the Justin Bieber's do a better job or whatever the thing is. Cause you know, the tools and the, and that's the kind of person I wanted to bring on here to give the tips that they could use. And in that vein, in that respect, I'd love to start with a little bit of the, for the entrepreneurs out there that are building this or not sure if Instagram's for them. Like what is the value of Instagram to a small business, to an entrepreneur? It's going to be dependent on your end goals. So for some businesses, Instagram is not going to help. It's, it's going to be useless. If your audience isn't there, if you don't have visual content, then it's not a place for you to go. 
But if your audience is there and if you can create content, it can be catalytic in terms of that brand development. For me, Instagram as a community building tool is unmatched. Yes, all social media is social and we can build our brands and build communities. Any expert of any platform is going to tell you that all their platforms can do this, whether it's Facebook, Pinterest, LinkedIn, whatever it is. All of them are great. But Instagram is built as an interactive platform. I literally have a dear friend of mine who I met through an Instagram post. She posted a photo about fireworks and I'm obsessed with fireworks. And then we ended up in a blogging collective together. And now we refer clients to each other. And I've literally slept in her house. You know, it's like we're these awesome, amazing friends over the years, all because of an Instagram post. It's that kind of interaction that even though that's a personal level, I have lots of business case examples just from my own brand, as well as my clients that I've worked with, that they get to build these relationships on such a community forward platform like Instagram, that you really do get to build that customer service component. You really get to build that relationship component that is loyalty. Those are the diehard brand advocates that no matter what you do, they have got your back. Like you say it's for sale, they're going to buy it. They're just there for you 100% of the time. And that is catalytic to the growth of your business across time, not just, oh, I made a couple extra sales this week. Absolutely. And if you had to break down like the very first couple of things a business needs to know, you talked about this a little bit earlier before we got going on the recording. <laughs> so I'm going to ask, ask, cause it was so much, so valuable. I want these guys to hear this. What are some of the basic things they can do that they have to make sure they're doing first so that they are capturing that opportunity? Yeah. So the first thing is to be a business profile on Instagram. Um, A lot of people are hesitant to switch over from a personal to the business profile because Facebook business pages are so penalized in terms of reach and exposure. And they're like, well, I don't want to do that on Instagram. I don't want to lose my reach or exposure. But there is no negative impact by switching over uh, to a business profile. So you're not going to lose the reach. You're not going to lose any of the engagement, but you get so much more excuse me, you get the analytics that are built in. You get the ability to add the um, action buttons on your profile that say call, text, email, or direction. So people can literally use their phone to call you or email you. And that is such a great conversion tool. I know so many people that literally within hours of upgrading that business profile and having those buttons, we're getting immediate conversions. And I'm talking like legitimate sales, not not a lead, not a warm lead, not even a hot lead, like an actual full-blown conversion because you picked up the phone and answered their questions and they're like, okay, send me the product or sign me up or whatever it is. Um, you also obviously get the ability to run ads. So that's an added incentive. There's a lot of advantages to being that business profile that will you know, give you that aura of professionalism that people will respect you that much more as well. Then you want to look at you know, the name and the username, which a lot of people don't realize those are the only two searchable criteria on Instagram are the name and username. So if you are a photographer and you don't have the word photographer in your name, then people can't find you. And I'm going to bring up our dear friend, Paul, who we talked about in the (laughs) non-recording because you told me about your friend, Paul, who's going to be listening to this. Um, So why don't don't you tell everybody who the background is so we can talk about it? Yeah, yeah. So so Paul, Paul, I hope you're listening. So my friend, Paul in Denver, shoots video, right? And I I tried to figure out what he does. I'm like, tell me what you do. And he's like, well, you know, I work with businesses, help them create systems that help optimize their business through videos. You know, I'm like, so you, are you actually capturing the videos? They're like, yeah. I'm like, are you, are you editing the videos? He's like, yeah. So you're showing up with the camera. I'm like, yeah, yeah. And what else do you do? And he's like, I, you know, I sometimes shoot weddings and I, all these different things. I'm like, okay, so 
you're a videographer. He's like, well, yeah, but I, I hate that word because it's like, you know, I'm, I'm more than that. I'm like, well, yeah, you are. You are absolutely, you're more than that. But if people don't know, it took me 10 minutes to understand what the hell you do. You know, people don't know you're a videographer. And even more importantly, if they're looking for you and they, and for specifically a videographer and they can't find you, that's a problem. Right. And so using him as an example, we want to have his brand name as the username. So if someone's looking for his brand, if they know his company name, that's going to be his username. Then the name field on Instagram is going to be his actual name, his legal name, first name, last name. And then he's going to put the word videographer. I don't care if he hates it. He's going to put videographer in the name component because that way if someone goes to Instagram and searches, then they're going to find him by either his brand name because it's in the username, his business name, or they're going to find him by his actual name because it's in the name. Or if they're searching for a videographer, he will potentially show up in a search for videographers as well. Because if I'm looking for someone to film you know, an event, I'm looking for a videographer. That's what I know to look for. Whether or not he wants to call himself that, I don't care. That's what I'm looking for. That's what is going to show up in search. So the name and the username has to have those components built into it. And then the bio that is basically your... 30 second elevator pitch. It's your first impression. Most people that read your bio are only ever going to read it the first time they come to your profile. So that needs to talk to that person who has never heard of your brand. They've never found you. They don't know what you're doing on Instagram. They have no idea what you're about. It needs to be kind of the who, what, when, where, why, but in a what's in it for them mentality. So what are they going to get by following you? Why is it a value to them? Like, are they getting coupon codes? Are they going to be able to you know, order from you? Are they going to get tips and advice, motivation? Like, What are they getting by following you? As well as a little bit about your brand, your personality. You want to use those emojis and a brand voice that is true and authentic to you so that when people connect with you there, they know that that's genuinely what they're going to get through your content. And that's only 150 characters of space. So it's not a lot of room to write all that information. So you got to get some really good copywriting going to really define that brand. Part of the story here is also that when Paul reached out to me on Instagram, he was, wasn't Paul, he was PA Productions, video services with a PA logo. And I got a message, I thought it was spam. So I almost deleted it. I read the message, I was like, this is pretty vague. So I clicked the profile, looked at the pictures and I see my friend Paul, I had no idea it was him. And I'm like, oh my God, I almost, almost blocked you actually. <laughs> So that I couldn't, you couldn't even reach out to me anymore. And this is a friend I've had for 10 years. I had no idea that this was his Instagram. And it was just like, I stumbled into knowing that it was him. So I immediately reached out to him. I was like, dude, you have to put your, your picture up or your name or something. So I know it's you. What do you say to those businesses that either, you know, A, they are the face of their business. Like what should they be doing? Or just in general, like, is there any rule or can you, can both work? And again, this is one of those like, it depends. And I hate giving the it depends answer, but it really does depend. So, you know, me, I am my brand. I am Jen's Trends. It is my face because people tend to connect with humans more than they will connect with logos. If they see a person in that photo, they're more likely to connect with it because it's more human interaction. But if your brand isn't one person, you know, if it's a bigger brand, the face of the CEO doesn't necessarily mean anything to that. Like if you put the face of the Nike CEO on the Nike brand, I wouldn't know that means Nike, but I know the Nike logo. In that case, it doesn't necessarily mean it has to be a person, but you can do your logo in that sort of situation where it's a bigger brand or organization where a single face isn't recognizable. But again, you have to think about what does that logo look like? How busy is that logo? What is your font style? Because 
on Instagram, that profile photo is shrunk down so small in the feed. And when you're interacting, it's like a quarter of an inch to maybe half an inch diameter. It is so small that if you have this like light colored, you know, cursive font on a white background, that is illegible. You are just a white blur as a profile photo. So that's not going to be anything that people can recognize. If you have a busy background, like if it's got like, you know, 10 faces in there, that's illegible in terms of what it is when it's that small. You know, if you put a person in front of a white background, that's easy to recognize. If you put a person in front of a brick wall, that's not going to be easy to determine. So you've got to make sure that if you're, whether it's the logo, whether it's font, whether it's a person, it just has to be minimalistic as, you know, as possible. So it's clear, it's concise, and that no matter how small it gets, it's easily distinguishable as your brand. Perfect. No, I appreciate that. And Paul, I hope you're listening. Hope you take these <laughs> Sorry, Paul, we didn't mean to throw you under the bus, but you were a great example. Well, he does great work too. So I want him to be found. And I think a lot of the business owners out there can relate. Like, you know, you do good work and Instagram for maybe it doesn't feel like it's for you because it's hard and it's not, it's not, you're right into thinking that it could be a lot of work, but especially if you do it the wrong way though, if you're going to make the effort and you're not doing it the right way, that, that could be trouble. Are there some things people should avoid doing on Instagram? There's lots of things people should avoid. <laughs> let's, let's get rid of the things that are like, you know, posting like bad content that is inappropriate and we get past that stuff. Right. Yeah. Let's go past the obvious things. Right. I mean, there's a lot of things that, you know, little things that people don't always think about. So one of the biggest things is having what I call thumb stopping content. And I think Mari Smith, you know, first called it this. And I was like, I love this phrase of thumb stopping because Instagram is a fast moving feed. It's you're scrolling. It's like the visual version of Twitter, right? Like you're scrolling and double tapping through and you want to get something that goes and like people literally stop and look at that content. So typically on Instagram, Again, a little bit more minimalist. Like if it's a busy photo and there isn't a clear focal point, people are more likely to scroll past it because it's so busy. They just kind of like, eh, it just blurs into the, the content. But if it's this bright pink background with a like giant yellow pineapple in the middle, you're like, WTF, why is there a giant pineapple? Like that's going to get people to stop. And I'm not saying everyone has to create that kind of content, but what is it that's going to get people to stop in the feed and pay attention. And some of those things break rules. So traditionally on Instagram, you do not want to put any sort of text on images on Instagram. That's typically not something you want. Most people on Instagram, especially the traditionalists, want beautiful photos. And text overlays don't usually work well. If you, a lot of times we take our Facebook images where we've got like a big banner and all of this text with like dates and times and places and like this, like half of the image is this like really cool photo, but half of it's just all this text. And we go, eh, let's just throw that up on Instagram. That will not usually perform well on Instagram because people don't like that. They want the beautiful photo and then take that text component and put that down in the caption. That way people see the beautiful photo. It captures their attention. They're more likely to interact with it. Why I say sometimes these things break a rule is for me personally, I always put a text overlay when I have an announcement. So new Instagram features, you know, a new blog post is out, breaking news, whatever it is, I will put my face because that's what my audience wants. And I put a text overlay that says new Instagram feature. 
that becomes thumb stopping because the moment they see my photo, they know it's me as a recognized authority. And then they know exactly what I'm about to tell them. So it's about a new Instagram feature, which chances are they want to know about it. And then I get these crazy engagement rates and I get all these bookmarks and shares and everything, but I'm violating my own rules because it's got text on it. So it is one of those things where you kind of have to test and work your way through, but in general, avoid the text overlays. You guys, it's super, super important. You have to have a caption. One of my biggest pet peeves on the planet is people who post a photo to Instagram and then leave. I'm like, what was the photo? Why is it there? What do you want me to do with it? Like, if you as like a human being, as a like general end user, just want to like post a photo of your dog with no caption, go for it. But as a brand, why did you post a photo of a dog? Is it bring your dog to work day? Is that your dog? Did you get the dog? Did the dog die? Like, what do you want me to do with this dog? And so if you don't tell me something, I'm left like in utter confusion and you're going to drive away your audience. They want to have a conversation with you and that is what the caption is for. So you have to say, isn't this dog adorable? We ran into him and it turns out, you know, the story, you tell the whole story and you're like, tell us your favorite memory of your pet. Now you have a call to action. You're driving conversation and dialogue because you said, tell us about blah, 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 blah. If you don't include that call to action, if you don't do something to generate that conversation, it's not going to be there. So those are probably like the biggest kind of catalytic mistakes that people make. Well, you had me worried there. I was like, is this dog being held for <laughs> ransom? Is this right? A, What's happening to the dog? Dog photo. You know, like that's, you don't know. <laughs> you got to have context. Exactly. Oh my God. Oh, that's great. I, I actually have like a hundred questions. So I'm trying to think of the ones that like are the, the ones that everyone's going to ask, but maybe <laughs> I'll just be selfish a little bit because what I, what I really want to know is I talked to a lot of businesses and they'll spend money trying to get the organic side pretty or right, you know, to, you know, visually stunning or whatever it is. And I, I get that that's important, but specifically it's like, okay, if you're spending a thousand dollars, 12, I've heard $1,200 a month that they'll pay someone to put photos on their Instagram. And I don't have a problem with that, except the account has 200 people following it. So no one's seeing these photos. What are you paying for? What do you think about that kind of thing? What's a better spend for that $1,200? Uh, ads. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Put a hundred into ads and you will get way more ROI than 1200 on some pretty photos. Like, here's the thing, you guys, this is something that People have Instagram when it started was raw and it was filtered in an unfiltered way, if that makes sense. Like the Instagram was this platform that came out with these really cool filters. They had like the 1970s looking like vintage filters, all the Polaroid looking filters. They weren't very advanced, but they were fun. And they actually made your content look more raw because it had this like, you know, like I said, these like vintage filters and things that made them look older, not current and all these sorts of fun things. And people were not staging massive photo shoots and they were not realigning their entire office to set up a photo booth with like the perfect lighting alignment. They were like, snap a photo of my dinner and upload it to Instagram. whoop de doo Like, and yes, Instagram has evolved to the point now where it is heavily curated content. It, there's a lot of editing. There's a lot of, you know, aesthetics that go into it and styling. And I'm just like, you guys, I just don't care. I want the content to be true to you and your brand. So for example, don't, 
look at, if you're looking at the video that you can't see, um, my office has these beautiful pastel flowers and this beautiful white, you know, and pastel background, which I actually genuinely love those color schemes. But that was a big aesthetic on Instagram for a long time was that very pastel, very like high white intensity, like low saturation type style of post. And everybody was doing it. And I was like, I couldn't create that content if my life depended on it. Like I'm like high saturation, bold colors, because that's just what aesthetically appeals to me in creating photos. And so that's what I did. I completely bucked the trend and just kept doing my own content, right or wrong. That's just what I did. And it worked because I stood out from all the people who were, I hate using the term whitewashing, but they were whitewashing all of their content to be these beautiful, subtle, pastel colors that look the same as everybody else in the feed. They no longer had that thumb-stopping content. And so it's not about creating the most perfect photo. And if you're spending $1,200 a month on photo shoots, you better be having a lot of product and a lot of value coming in from that $1,200. You can go take a bunch of photos with your smartphone, with your own DSLR, upload them to Instagram, throw a couple of filters on them, do a couple edits on it and make them look good enough without spending $1,000, $1,200, $1,500. Save that for when you want to do a really big photo shoot when, you, when your business has grown. Take that money and put it into ads to get people to see your brand, to drive conversions. Put that money into something else in your business. Put it into like buying a, you know, an accounting system. I don't care. Put it anywhere else that's of value to your business. You have that kind of money to spend. There's way better things you could do with it. Totally agree. I mean, there's thousands of people you could be reaching, thousands and thousands of people with a budget like that. Instead of the 200, they're going to see your prettier photos. And I'm going to tell you, what's funny is that $1,200 wasn't a photo budget. It was someone to manage their Instagram and post to post the photos and maybe add some hashtags, which honestly, I don't even think they had a strategy for. So just because I know you're busy, don't go and hire the person that's going to take over your Instagram for you when you're not even, they're not even creating assets for you. If they, A, if you don't have your own photos, then they're picking out stock images to add stuff to, which is not great. Uh, And paying someone to outsource, you know, your content and build your account for you. I'm totally okay with that. If, they are the right person. If they understand your business, if it's part of your business goals, if there's a proven ROI, if you're going to pay this person a thousand dollars a month to do this, then by the end of the year, you'd better have $12,000 of revenue that has come in to compensate for the $12,000 you paid that person. There needs to be, you know, a value add to you that you at least cover your cost on that. And people can do Instagram on their own in 30 minutes a day. And that can be three 10 minute sessions. You don't need to spend 12 hours a day. And I guarantee you, if you're paying someone $1,200, they're not paying, they're not spending 12 hours a day on your content either. They're just like throwing stuff out. Like you said, they're grabbing some stock images. They're doing, you know, a little bit of content. It is not strategic because you're not paying them enough to be strategic and you're paying them too much to just be casual. So find the right people that will actually give you a real content strategy for growth and exposure and business conversions if you need to outsource it. But if you're starting out small, if you only have 200 followers and you're a relatively young business, you can do this on your own and you can build your content, build that relationship. And at that point, nobody can talk to your brand better than you. Outsourcing it at that young stage that person that you've outsourced it to has no knowledge of your brand, your customer service, and how to help you really talk about your brand. So you're better off just doing it yourself and being genuinely true as you grow that brand. 
And run ads. I mean, those dollars could go so far running ads to take you from 200 to thousands of followers yes. pretty quickly. So, you know, you, I think you got to figure out what, at what point in your stage are you in your business and your, and your communication goals to, to spend that kind of money. I would like to switch gears uh, a little bit. The show is called Brands on Brands on Brands, but the answers here are yours. Do you believe that branding or selling is more important long-term? Branding. I mean, in the long run, it's selling. Like we, we obviously need to make sales because we need to grow our business, but we can't do that if we don't have the brand. So yes, I, have, I am the world's guiltiest party of buying random stuff off of Instagram and Facebook ads because I get fed the best possible ads for the things that I absolutely do not need, but that I must now have in my life. And I will buy them not knowing this company based purely on the fact that they targeted me properly. Yes, that's a sale. It's, it's a one-time sale. If I end up loving that brand, they will build brand loyalty out of me by having good social media, allowing me to interact with them, allowing me to love their product. If, however, I don't love that product, I'm gone. I will never associate with them again. And I will tell everybody that I don't love that brand. I didn't like the product, et cetera, et cetera. Whereas branding over that period of time, months into years, if I love that brand, I am telling everybody about that. So it's not my one sale that you're getting from me. It's everybody that I'm going to tell. And everybody is an influencer. This is one of the things that drives me nuts about influencer marketing is that you have to have 100,000 followers to be an influencer. The mom down the street who bought a new minivan, she's an influencer because now all the moms on the street are like, why'd you buy that one? And now they're all going to make decisions on their next car purchase because of what she just bought. So if you're building the right brand and you're really creating that community with your audience, that is long-term multiple sales, not a single one-time sale. So in the long run, the branding gets you more sales, but the branding is what gets you there. Awesome. Thank you. And are there any brands that are doing Instagram right right now that you, that you point out? I love so many. So I have to share with you guys because this is the one that like, I swear to God, every time I talk about this brand, they get like this massive surge in followers. And they're like, oh, Jen's talking about us again. So the single most hated organization on the planet is probably the TSA. Nobody likes TSA. Nobody wants to go through security at an airport. Nobody wants to deal with this. Everyone's going to complain, right? Single-handedly awesome on Instagram. They are amazing. And they have the best content. They ha- it's quirky, it's witty, it's fun, it's educational. They answer questions. They feature the dogs that, you know, all the drug sniffing dogs at all the different locations. But their content is so witty and so unexpected that it's like, you can't, like, when they show up in my feed, I'm like, I stop. They're thumb. It's like the worst photo on the planet. It's the perfect example of if anybody can do Instagram, if they can do it you can do it because their photos are not high quality. It's literally a photo of like a ninja star on a table. Like it's not pretty, but the caption is amazing and it's worth dying for. So it's like you will read everything that they post. So they're doing really well. I love the Love Bomb Co at the Love Bomb Co, which is the Love Bomb company. She sells mostly things like like mugs and glassware and that sort of thing. It's uh, positivity with a touch of profanity is her slogan. And so she targets moms and she targets kind of that millennial generation. It's just this really fun content that is, it's great. It's relevant. It's, she ties into a target audience and then she does a ton of UGC. So all of her content, not all of it, but she uses all this UGC that is actually created by her audience. They're the ones that are actually creating all this content, tagging her with her hashtag 
And she's just reposting it to Instagram. She doesn't have to do the work. It just shows up. It gets done. She posts it. She doesn't have to worry about it, but it's all beautiful. It all ties in. It's perfectly branded. She is a great example. Oh, I love that. I mean, who knew that the TSA actually had their own Instagram account, that they were sharing comments and being witty. And had, I thought you were going to talk about some other brand that took advantage of that, but you're saying the TSA themselves actually have an account. I wonder who's posting to this. Is it the people that work there? It's one guy and I've never had the privilege of meeting him. And I can tell you, George Clooney could walk in my front door and I'd be like, hey man, what's up? But you bring in the guy who does TSA and I would be fangirling all day. I would like follow him around like a lost puppy dog. I literally would not be able to leave his side. I'd be like, tell me everything. Tell me your ways. So I would totally fangirl, but it's one guy. That's it. And you must have reached out to them. I've been in connection through another, like through a webinar that I did. We were both on the webinar, um, but I've never actually got a chance to like talk with him or meet him. So yes, I have more reaching out to do to like, I need to like meet this human being. He's amazing. Yeah. I, I have, so I'll do some Googling after this for sure to see what's, what's going on. Right. Who's this guy? Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. I'd love to hear, you know, Jen outside of business, like what brands are, is Jen, Jen obsessed with right now in her life? So if you go to my explore feed, it's all Royals. I am like obsessed with the Royal family. I'm ex- like, from all of them. Like I just follow every, I think, major Royal account. So I see a lot of their stuff. Of course, like the Harry and Meghan and the baby, like it is all over my Explore feed and even in my home feed because I follow a bunch of those types of accounts. I follow the hashtag San Diego restaurants. So I see a lot of content for local restaurants in San Diego because I'm always looking for new places to try. So I get fed all these things that show up and I'm like, Ooh, that looks amazing. I want to go there. I follow a couple of celebrities, like some of the Real Housewives that I love, a lot of friends and family. Like I, you know, one of my besties is another digital marketing expert, but she's digital nomading around the world. And so she's the only person whose stories I watch religiously because she posts probably seven to 10 times a day with whatever, you know, adventure she's gallivanting on at that time. And I can't get enough of it. So I watch, you know, like friends and family and that sort of stuff. Well, I'm thinking more like, how about off of Instagram, like in your house, in your daily life, things that you use, products, things that that you interact with. Like, what do you, what what are one of the things, the things that you use all the time? So I am obsessed with Sam Edelman shoes, which breaks my heart that they're not active on social media. Like they have social media platforms, but they're not a good social media brand. And it kills me because I'm like, all I do is talk about my Sam Edelman shoes. Like I literally just had a box with five pairs of brand new shoes delivered to my front door yesterday. I'm like, why are you not on social media paying attention to me? All I do is talk about you. But so I love my Sam Edelman. I love my Jimmy Choo shoes as well. And they're very active on social media, including Instagram. I'm all about the shoes. Like seriously, everybody knows me. I do hashtag Tuesday Shoes Day and post about my shoes and what I'm wearing that day. Um, that sort of thing. So those are definitely some of my favorite brands. And I'm a diehard Samsung, like Samsung TV, Samsung phone. I will never be an iPhone, like all that. Like I'm Samsung all the way. That's awesome. Uh, what brands do you trust? I'd like to flip that on the other end of the spectrum for a second there. What brands do I trust? That's a good question. Um, probably, you know, again, like when it comes to like, you know, being on Facebook and things like that, like I get all of my news sources from Inst- or from like Facebook mostly and, and even Instagram. So like local news stations and things like that are more trustworthy to me because I can, I'm not just watching the news and just hearing it. I'm getting all the different feeds in my Facebook profiles. 
um, that I can go in and see what's happening in the world and get multiple sides to a story. So having like the local news in there usually helps. But in terms of brands, you know, individually that I trust, again, it would probably be some of like the techie type brands like Samsung, which I've been a diehard for years. And I feel like they just, there's a vibe and there's a connection there. And I feel like when they put con, like, I mean, they had phones that blew up. Like, I know I didn't have one of those. It's okay. Like, I know, like, they all make mistakes. It happens. And not every brand is always going to be, you know, super clear and honest. But again, like, there's a lot of brands out there in smaller accounts that I think that are really good at doing this, where they really do open up that curtain and they really do share what's going on with their brand. Um, I love E News for, although they're a bigger brand, but they do the Instagram takeovers and they really show what's going on, like, in their media room and what's going on, like celebrities do their, their takeovers and show what it's like to get ready for the Oscars or those sorts of things. And it really builds that, that trust and transparency with a media organization as well. So there's lots of different ways that you can build that trust. Well, I know we're coming to the end here, so I want to be respectful of that. But I do want to hear like, what's next for Jen? What's going on? What's your next big audacious goal? Well, I mean, I got lots going on. I got lots of speaking gigs coming up. I'll be in Australia in June, which I'm like so legit excited. They're paying me. They're paying all my airfare. Like I get to go keynote at a conference in Australia. So that's like legit exciting. And tied to that would probably be my next big, you know, audacious, like big goal is just to really blow up in that speaker world. I just, I want like the big stages. I want those big, you know, speaker paychecks. What a lot of people don't realize is that most speakers in our social media industry don't get paid for most of the things that we do as speakers. The local industries that hire us will pay us, but the big social media conferences, we don't get paid. So you pay your dues on these unpaid stages to try to finally get to the paid stages. And I'm in like the mid range. So I've got the big goals for those big stages with the big bucks behind them and the big stages with the big audiences to really be able to connect and share more content with more people. Absolutely. Well, I, I know it's such a relevant topic that you share anyway, and I think that's resonating with people. So I, I wish you much, much success in chasing that goal still. Where, where can people find you if they do want to see you talk or see what you're up to or you know, hear some of Jen's trends? Like what, what's a good place to find you and interact with you? I'm pretty much everywhere. <laughs> so if it's online, I'm probably there. But you can go to my website, which is jenstrends.com. It's Jen with two N's because I was born in 1980 with a bazillion other Jennifers. So I've always been Jen with two N's. So it's jenstrends.com. And that's where all my blog posts go up, where you can get more information about working with me, hiring me as a speaker, that sort of thing. I'm on Instagram as jens, J-E-N-N-S, underscore trends. Same thing on Twitter. And then my Facebook group is where I'm always telling people to come hang out with me. So if you just search for Jen's Trends and Social Media over on Facebook, you'll find the group. I do have a page, uh, but the group is highly active, tons of stuff going on. And all the breaking Instagram news that happens is I share it first and foremost to that Facebook group. I don't even share it to Instagram first. We go to the Facebook group where then we all talk about it and figure out what's happening. And then I go talk about it on Instagram. So if you really want to know what's happening, uh, the Facebook group is a good place to hang out too. Well, I love the way you're building community and just in general, how you approach things. I would like to say people that have worked with you or people that are going to work with you in the future, what would be a great testimonial? What do you want customers to say about you after they've worked with you? I think honestly, one of the things I... So someone asked me once, like, what's my superpower? And I said, it's teachability. I take complex problems and I make them make sense. And that's one of the best compliments I get from people at the time is they come to me and they're like, I don't even know how to use Facebook. I don't even know what Instagram is. And they leave after working with me feeling like they not only understand it, but that they're good at it. 
and being able to really see that kind of growth and success and understanding that it's not just, oh, well, now I know how it works, but they know why it works. And that's that science dork in me that just digs in and really rips things apart so that people can really understand the hows and the whys and make it work for them, not just because some expert said to do something, but that will actually work for them. Awesome. Well, I'm sure uh, you know the audience here, I got a lot of value of it, out of it. I'm sure they, they got value out of it as well. Thank you for bearing with me through some of the technical difficulties. We're all good. I appreciate you jumping on. And uh, I just hope that this is the beginning and we get to talk some more. I hope so too. Let's come back. Yeah, exactly. We'll do another one. Thank you. You've just taken your marketing knowledge to another level with this episode of Brands on Brands on Brands. But we have plenty more ways to not just help you build a business, but build a brand. Head over to brandandbrands.com for more resources, as well as access to our blogs, videos, and exclusive coaching sessions with your host. Be sure to visit brandandbrands.com.